2: they say, there are two sides to every story. After two months going back into our archives and doing countless interviews, I realized that the story of Yahweh Ben Yahweh and his Miami Temple of Love has way more than two sides. Right now, I can lay out three, along with countless unanswered questions that will remain probably into eternity. You may not have heard of Yahweh Ben Yahweh, or his temple of love, or the nation of Yahweh that he founded in Miami in the early 80s. He was a fixture in the Liberty City community for most of the 80s, until things started to go horribly wrong.
3: The earth is going to be full of my knowledge. Don't worry about will I be known. Let's see how much of the earth is going to know me. The earth shall be full of Of the knowledge of the Lord Yahweh.
2: Detractors I spoke with say that they left a cult led by a dictatorial megalomaniac and say that they still aren't completely healed from what they witnessed inside Miami's Temple of Love. Who's the God of all
3: gods? Who's the King of all kings? Who's the Lord of all lords? Who is our president? Who is our governor? Who is our mayor? Our leader, and who do we follow? Then let everything that has breath.
2: I talked to a prosecutor who hasn't spoken publicly about the case ever. He believes that Yahweh Ben Yahweh was the person behind the heinous criminal acts that took the temple down. I wasn't able to locate some former members, they are allegedly in the United States Federal Witness Protection Program. Others didn't want to talk about it. They say that was another time in their life, and they'd just rather forget about it. There are the supporters, attorneys who represented Yahweh ben Yahweh in court, and those who still follow Yahweh's teachings, who praise the preacher as a devout man who was dedicated to his mission. His biological daughter talked to me. She says her father became the target of a government conspiracy to lock him away. Local 10 and local10.com presents The Florida Files. I'm Michelle Solomon, and this is the story of Yahweh ben Yahweh and Miami's Temple of Love, cult or conspiracy?
0: Yahweh Ben Yahweh was born Ulan Mitchell Jr. and grew up in Oklahoma. A one-time member of the Nation of Islam, Yahweh's group claimed they were the true Jews. For years they remained clouded in mystery. In Miami, Mel Taylor, Channel 10 Eyewitness News.
2: Here are the three sides to the story. Yahweh Ben Yahweh, the charismatic leader of his creation, the Nation of Yahweh, was earnestly empowering his flock by leading them in what he believed was the truth. Yes, he had been chosen from on high as a messiah to reveal the true heritage of black Americans. Here's the second story. Hulon Mitchell Jr. was a cult leader who gave orders to his followers to kill anyone who went up against him, who implored so-called death angels to bring back proof that his subjects had killed white devils, bringing back ears and other body parts who insisted his male followers be circumcised, then performed the procedures himself? Story three. Or was it his destiny, a preordained biblical prophecy that the government would condemn him, and the star witness, a lying Judas, that would testify against Yahweh? A former professional football player turned Yahweh member named Robert Rozier, who pleaded guilty and admitted to multiple killings that he said were directed by Yahweh ben Yahweh.
0: Audio tapes of the group's meetings were obtained by Eyewitness News and aired in a series of reports in
4: 1986.
2: I'll begin the story around the time the oldest son of a Pentecostal minister from Enid, Oklahoma, arrives in Miami. It is the late 1970s, and the predominantly black neighborhood of Liberty City is in one of its most vulnerable times. Mitchell over the years has gone through a number of name changes, but I'll get to that history in a bit. In 1979, now calling himself Ach Moshe, Hebrew for Brother Moses, he settles here from Orlando to start a congregation and to preach his interpretation of the Bible to reveal what he says has been hidden from the so-called black man of America for 430 years, who do not know the world's best kept secret, that they are the true Israelites of the Bible. So just tell me who you are and why we're talking today.
1: My name is Khalil Amani, and I'm a former member of the Nation of Yahweh.
2: Um, Are you originally from Miami?
1: I'm originally from Miami. I grew up in Miami, Carroll City.
2: Tell me the story about how you found out about the Nation of Yahweh.
1: All right. After graduating in 78 from Carroll City High School, I spent a year um, at Bethune-Cookman College. I came back home um, in 79. Basically, it was some literature that was telling me that black people were the original Jews. Um, and it went on to give examples of scriptures to show that black people were indeed part of the Bible. It quoted like Revelation chapter one, which talks about Jesus having hair like wool and bronze feet. It quoted Job 3030, which said, my skin is black upon me. Sure enough, that next Wednesday, I was right smack dab, damn near on the front row of this little class, um, uh, wherein I got my first chance to meet this guy named Brother Moses or Ach Moshe as he was being called.
3: Because praise Yahweh, see Yahweh's name is re- the Messiah they never wanted to see come is risen. And the in the paper, they went on and tell you, Son of God. It, Throughout, they let you know, the son of God. I mean, they don't have no question. They begin begin with self-proclaim. Right, that's what makes me the son of God, is that I'm self-proclaimed.
1: And at that time, he was a mild manner, you know, leisure suit wearing gentleman. He had a suit, you know, you could tell from the, probably from the mid 70s, from the disco era. No tie, just a suit with the shirt unbuttoned. You could see his chest a little bit. Um, Short afro, light skinned fella.
2: So you told me something interesting about uh, besides seeing him in the leisure suit um there was something else that was really striking about him
1: yes yes i There's was a couple of things striking one thing for sure is that uh looking at him um he had these piercing eyes like for a black man those eye, his eyes were not like most black people's which are either dark brown or black the pupils his eyes were Maybe hazel or blue or gray. They kind of seem to vacillate between those colors, very light colored. And Yahweh Ben Yahweh would say in class as Akmoche that the that Jesus had eyes like a flame of fire, which further added to uh, my resolve that I'm actually in the presence of Jesus. Because although he never said he was Jesus in the beginning, he made strong hints that. He's talking about himself.
2: So you were hooked. You were hooked. You were
1: hooked. I I was hooked from... I was hooked before day one. Like I said, when I first read the literature, I was hooked. All I needed to do was see it. All I needed to do was consummate the, the Yahweh relationship. And when I left out of that class that night, I felt 10 feet tall. I was like David looking for a fight with Goliath. Like, I really had a militant chip on my shoulder against white people and Jews.
2: Akmoshe hasn't yet adopted the name Yahweh ben Yahweh, and he's still holding small gatherings in houses and anywhere groups can meet. Meanwhile, things are unsettled in Liberty City, and all hell is about to break loose. There are three police brutality and abuse cases in 1979 that were a powder keg ready to blow. The first, in January 1979, included a white state trooper sexually molesting an 11-year-old black girl, but only getting three years probation. And another incident in February, where Dade detectives mistakenly entered the home of a black school teacher with a search warrant. The teacher was seriously injured in the struggle, but a grand jury said there was no criminal wrongdoing. In September 1979, an off-duty Hialeah police officer shot and killed a 22-year-old black man but his actions were only negligent, not criminal, said a grand jury.
0: There was never any doubt that more was
3: at stake in the McDuffie trial than just the guilt or innocence of the defendants. In reality, the police department was on trial. Dade Circuit Court Judge Lenore Nesbitt knew that back in February when she ordered the trial moved from here to Tampa. Judge Nesbitt called the case a time bomb. Richard Schlesinger, News Watch 10.
2: It was December 21st, 1979, when Arthur McDuffie, an African-American insurance agent, was chased by police after he ran a red light on his motorcycle, and that would ignite a firestorm. Six months later, an all-white jury in Tampa, Florida, found the four officers on trial not guilty.
0: It all started with a highly
3: emotional but peaceful rally outside the Metro Justice Building. Hundreds of blacks gathered
0: calling for justice after hearing news of the Tampa verdict. On several occasions, we heard the comment, who killed Arthur McDuffie? If the jury says the accused police officers didn't do
3: it, who did? The rally broke up, but at that point, a few of the demonstrators turned
0: to violence. Several businesses in Coconut Grove, Northwest Miami, and several other areas were broken into and looted.
2: That was Newswatch 10's Dwight Lauderdale reporting.
1: Yeah, it was a perfect time. Because I had joined the Yahweh group probably about two months before the actual riots. And I remember Yahweh Ben-Yahweh, or Akhmusheh at the time, uh, telling us that these white men were going to go free. And he even quoted a scripture, Zechariah 11 and 5, which says, Whose possessors slay them and hold themselves not guilty. And so Yahweh ben Yahweh said, the Bible says that our possessors, meaning white people, our possessors, they hold themselves not guilty in the court of law. They kill us and then hold themselves not guilty. And he said, they will get off scot-free. But And he, and he said that the town would go up in flames, that Miami would go up in flames. But he also warned us that he did not want us as Hebrew Israelites to take part in any riots. He said, let he called the, Yahweh Ben Yahweh called black men dead Jacobs, and he called black women dead Eves, meaning that spiritually, we were spiritually black people are dead to who they are. And so he said, Allow dead Jacob and dead Eve to go out there and kill and burn and and loot and all that stuff, but we aren't to do it. But I must say, as someone, as a 19 year old teenager, as someone who, who was fresh in the word, like I had just been in. You know, going to the classes probably for like about maybe about six weeks, I still had a lot of uh, energy, let's say energy, um, and I just, I did not follow that part of his teaching.
2: By this time, Atmoshe has quite a following. He's gathering his flock at the Joseph Caleb Center in Liberty City, and his teachings and his popularity are growing, and so is his cash flow.
3: I came as Moshe, Moses, Israel, Moshe, some of you were suspicious then. Yes, something special about that man right there.
2: I tracked down Sydney P. Friedberg, the former Miami Herald reporter, who won a Pulitzer Prize for her coverage of Yahweh Ben Yahweh, and then she went on to write a book called Brother Love. But after back and forth text messages, it's clear we're not going to connect. She's busy working on a project, so I need to just rely on her book for context, and to tell you about Hulon Mitchell's life before Miami. In her book, Brother Love, she talks about Hulon's incarnation when he surfaced in a storefront pulpit in Orlando in 1976 as Brother Love. This is where he meets Linda Murthy Gaines, who would later take the name Judith Israel, and she would become Akmoshe's second-in-command at the Temple of Love. Friedberg also writes that when they arrive in Miami from Orlando, Brother Love's past is shrouded in mystery. When investigators ask about it later, he can't recall the simplest dates and places, but he does say that at some point he received a message from within, that his destiny was to become Yahweh Yahweh, the son of God, and that the promised land that awaited him was Miami. By
1: 1982, that's when he made his uh, metamorphosis from Akmoshe to first he was calling himself Yahshua the Messiah. Yahshua is like a Hebrew rendering of the word Jesus, Yahshua. So he called himself, one day he announced, he just came out and announced that he was Yahshua the Messiah. Uh, but he didn't keep that title for probably maybe a few months. And then he moved right from Yahshua to. Yahshua the messiah within a few months to yahweh ben yahweh therefore i am yahweh's
3: only begotten sovereign son i am the one that all the
1: nations of the earth
3: have been waiting to come
1: he just sat us down one day it was a sunday after going out and passing literature all day everybody came back to the temple they brought his uh he had a recliner that was up on on the stage where he where he taught they brought it down off the stage into the middle of the auditorium and he sat down and we knew something was going we knew something that was serious because he had never done that and we all kind of sat around probably i'm gonna say about two or three hundred people it was a it was a nice crowd and he said how many of you know who i am and you know people were kind of like mumbling and you know we were thinking you know Yahweh, uh, I mean Yeshua, and then one brother, his name was Elijah, he screamed out that's Yahweh right there and when he said that, the room went up like a holiness church with the Holy Ghost and the screaming and the clapping and the crying and the shouting and people were prostrating themselves on the floor it was just a scene right out of a holiness church and you know, we all just you know, basically we were coming to the realization that This is not just the sun. We are looking at God Himself. I repeat that all religions have taught would come
3: in the last days of wicked rulership to set judgment in the earth so that all good people will have a chance to be saved. Praise God.
2: In December of 1980, a year after Yahweh Ben Yahweh has made his way to Miami, there's enough money for the followers to all live under one roof with their spiritual leader. It's a 15,000-square-foot warehouse. It needs a little bit of work, but it's a former food stamp redemption center and shopping market that would become the group's headquarters. It's located at 2766 Northwest 62nd Street. And as Friedberg writes in her book, it's in the heart of the riot zone this would be the Temple of Love. And this would also be the beginning of Yahweh Ben Yahweh's ascension in the mainstream of Miami as a redeveloper, as a member of the Chamber of Commerce, an honoree and a hero to many in the community.
0: He opened the doors to his temple, showed reporters his school. He became involved in various chambers of commerce, bought up numerous hotels, cleaned up dilapidated apartment buildings. He opened restaurants and stores becoming a part of Miami's business community, even rubbing shoulders with elected officials at grand openings.
2: There was even a Yahweh ben Yahweh Day proclaimed in a large gathering at the Miami Arena. President of the Greater Miami Urban League, T. Willard Fair, introduces Yahweh before he delivers his address entitled From Poverty to Riches, also the name of a successful hardcover book that promises his keys to success in life where he instructs that when followed, contains the formula for prosperity economically, educationally, socially, politically, and morally. Fair introduces him to the crowd that's filled the arena, many Yahwehs now wearing their traditional white turban and robes.
4: Good evening. Who is this man called Yahweh the Yahweh? we who are black people in this town seek salvation every day we are the descendants of those who have suffered years upon years and if you know anything about our history you know that each time we feel that the world is coming to an end. Somebody comes our way.
2: I know that you had spoken. I was watching some video we had from, a, um, from an event and just wanted to talk to you about your interaction or your view uh, about when Yahweh Ben Yahweh was, was in the midst of our community.
4: When Yahweh Ben Yahweh came on the scene, I uh, observed that he had an ability to move and change the attitude about what could be done and who should be doing it uh, in, in my community. Uh, we were just coming out of uh, the whole segregated past that we all had experienced, uh, and uh, he was the first real ray of hope that was saying to folks that it's up to us to control our destiny. Uh, So I never reacted to his religious philosophy. In fact, I don't know what that is today. Uh, But I did react to his ability to mobilize and galvanize the the black community that joined him to begin to become economically sufficient on their own right. His ability to uh, have individuals of high intellectual capacity to become part of his movement uh, excited me. And uh, I wanted to know who is this man called Yahweh Ben-Yahweh. Uh, so I went to see him and uh, began to understand that we shared the same kind of economic empowerment philosophy about Black Bay County. Uh, and therefore, I was intrigued about his ability to translate his philosophy
3: into reality. I offer you an alternative. You cannot deny that I don't know the way to riches. Because I came to Miami without anything. For your sake, I became poor, like one of you. So that through my poverty, you can be rich. What does that mean? It means that when I became poor like you and came to Miami without anything, just like you have nothing, I have raised myself up to be super rich for your sake, which proves what? If I can do it, you can do
5: it. My father, uh, Yahweh be Yahweh, was the oldest of 15 children, 15 children. Uh, He grew up, with uh, both his parents um, and his father uh, worked for the railroad and he was also a Pentecostal minister. And his mother was a licensed nurse and she too um, was a vocalist and played the piano within the church. So he grew up around a spiritual family. They were all very spiritual.
2: That's Vanita Mitchell, who wrote the book, The Biological Children of Yahweh Ben Yahweh. Yahweh Ben Yahweh's biological daughter. She was born to Hulon Mitchell Jr. and Nodi Mae Mitchell in Pleasanton, California, and she now lives in Georgia. And then he got involved himself, or he. he what happened after? He left
5: home. He he left home. He went to college, earned a uh, degree in mathematics, a bachelor's degree through Phillips University in mathematics, and from there he. Uh, went into the Air Force, joined the Air Force, and was a officer within the Air Force. And uh, he, and from after leaving the Air Force, he then went back to school and went to law school, where he studied law and uh, through the University of Oklahoma. But he later changed his mind about getting his law degree.
2: So, um. So then he became, he, he became a Muslim minister. I mean, how did that all come Right.
5: Up? He became the highest ranking minister, ministers in the nation of Islam. I don't know. It was a choice that he made. He was seeking uh, and searching for the truth. And you know how in the Bible it tells us to search all matters. And when you begin to research and search all matters, You know, you'll find spiritual and otherwise you'll find out the truth. So he was searching for his father Yahweh while his father Yahweh was yet searching for his son.
3: Therefore, I am Yahweh's only begotten sovereign son. I am the one that all the nations of the earth have been waiting to come.
2: His presence is building in Miami, and his followers are growing, not only in the Magic City, but in other cities. He sent members out across the U.S. to encourage others to join. His extensive real estate portfolio is bursting at the seams now, and it's worth an estimated $9 million from businesses including hotels, bakeries, restaurants, apartment buildings, and shopping centers. By 1986, estimates are that there are 300 active Yahweh followers in Miami and Dade County, with other groups sprouting up everywhere.
0: The Yahweh's portfolio of business holdings is now believed to total in the millions of dollars. In fact, here in front of the Temple of Love are about a half a dozen white Lincolns and Cadillacs. In Miami, Radberke, Channel 10 Eyewitness News.
2: The man who said he rose from the dead to be Messiah to American members of the black tribe of Israel and who would lead his followers out of the white domination is becoming obsessed with power. Some of his followers are getting disillusioned and what is going on inside his temple of love is starting to be scrutinized by authorities.
0: For 10 years, this Liberty City building has been the home of the Yahweh's. Its leader Yahweh Ben-Yahweh, the self-proclaimed son of God, has thrown down the gauntlet in the past year the federal authorities and the media. Either come forth with an indictment now or quit printing
3: the garbage. They've been investigating for several years, and that's all they can find. Well, they're on a fishing expedition.
2: But police are putting together puzzle pieces, murders and other violence that begins around the time the Nation of Yahweh comes into prominence in Miami. In 1981, a Yahweh member named Aston Green is found beheaded in the Everglades, his head propped next to his body. Then his roommates are attacked. One is shot and killed, the other's throat slit, and she is shot. There's a firebombing in Delray Beach and shootings at an Opalaka apartment building, one that Yahweh Ben Yahweh has purchased and where Yahwehs are forcing tenant evictions. And what was your involvement in the Yahweh Ben Yahweh case?
0: No, I was Steve Rodruck and and I was a homicide detective in, from 1979 to 1984, and I just I took a retire, early retirement to open up a business. And I think it's 81, 82. That's when the first murders
2: occurred. Local police and the FBI are investigating all of these crimes, and they all have one connection. They say they all lead back to the Nation of Yahweh and they want to get to the bottom of it.
0: So, uh, my name is Danny Borrego. Uh Been in law enforcement for over 40 years here in Dade County. Uh, did my first time with Miami Dade Police. Uh, I worked in the Homicide Bureau while I was with Miami Dade. Uh, I since retired and have been working here at the Doral Police Department now as a police major, uh, going on six years.
2: And did you ever get inside the Temple of Love?
0: I, I never did. Um, I know that there were attempts made in the prior investigations during the Aston Green cases and stuff. I know that there was attempts uh, at that point, but I, I really wasn't involved in that, in that uh, part of it. Uh, now, by this time, I know that the FBI uh, was investigating them as a uh, domestic terrorist organization. Once they were praised as good business leaders, but tonight the Yahwehs are branded by prosecutors as terrorists who use murder to get their way. In Miami, Rad Berkey, Channel 10, Eyewitness News.
2: Coming up next on the Florida Files, did Yahweh ben Yahweh instruct his death angels to kill white devils and bring him back an ear? And what Khalil says he heard before a body turned up in the Everglades. Join me, Michelle Solomon, as Cult or Conspiracy continues on The Florida Files. Get more of the story in online extras, including archive video and photos at local10.com. Are you a fan of The Florida Files? Tell us what you love about the series on Apple Podcasts and join other fans in leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.